Good morning. This morning, if you would, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. What a blessing it has already been. What Brother Austin said, I really is really right in line with what I will be saying. I think what we'll do first is we'll pray. Lord, we are in awe of You. We're in awe of Your salvation. We're in awe of Your ways. We're in awe that You come to us. We're in awe that You come to Your people, the church of the living God, and make Your habitation among us. We thank You for who You are and for what You have done for us in Christ Jesus. Father, please, in this time, as our brother has already prayed, come. And do a work in our midst. Father, open our eyes and our understanding. Give us insight into Your Word. Help us to see more of Yourself because, Lord, knowing You is eternal life. And You have the words of eternal life. And we pray, Lord, that in this time that Your light would shine into our hearts. Your Word would shine into our hearts and we would be made more and more like You. Father, bless us through the reading of Your Word and through the preaching of Your Word. Give us insight into Your Word. We pray by the Holy Spirit. Father, there is no hope in men. There is no hope in the will of the flesh. But our hope is in You. That You would effectually apply Your work to me and to my brothers and sisters in Christ that are here. Yes. Father, there is, this is our need. This text is our need. So now, Lord, please help me your servant, and help your people. We pray these things in your Son's name with expectation. Amen. 
I'll start reading God's Word in chapter, uh, in chapter 1, verse 1, and I will finish in verse 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace which, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Amen. Before we get into the epistle, one thing we have to understand is this epistle comes with baggage behind it. It comes with, with time behind it. It comes with a man that spent three years with the people at Ephesus. And not only a man, but a man that when he came to Ephesus was a man that was saw among the men, the elders, in, in that area. And he, in Acts 19, it spells out that he was a man that was among them. A simple man who dwelled among the people at Ephesus. Who lived his life among them. And while he lived among them, he could say in chapter 20, before the men that I have lived before you, I have lived above blame. I have given you the full counsel of God. I have commended to you the grace of God continually. He says to them that I have been among you and I, you have seen me in my life. You have not only seen me in my life, but you have seen me before you weeping. He mentions that he wept before the people of God. 
When He put before them all the fullness of God in Christ and all that Christ had done for His people, He wept because of the so great a salvation that God had provided for His people. He not only wept about that, but He wept that when He left, there would be some from among them that would creep in and would destroy the flock. But He was seen among them A man who loved the people of God. A man who wept before the people of God. A man who spent himself for the people of God. And why did he do that? I'm going to commend to you this morning, the reason why he did that is because of the salvation that was given him in Christ and what he knew he desired them to know effectually in their lives. In, this, in the beginning of Ephesians, in the first three chapters, we get the commending of the grace of God to the people of God. Not that they would know facts, but they would know God dwelling inside them. They would know that God has done these things for them before they ever were on the face of the earth. That God had His love centered upon the people of God. God has never had another plan for you. He's never had another plan for the people of God than what is taking place. What He is bringing forth in your life today and what He has brought forth in the days behind you, even when you were were estranged from Him, you'll see in this chapter that He was the one controlling and bringing all things to pass to bring you to Himself that His Son would be glorified in you and in your praise and in your worship. That you would be holy unto Him. But the people of God are not made holy. Listen to this. The peop- we are not made holy by our love to a point by our love for the Lord. You're made holy by knowing more of the love of Jesus Christ and God towards you. We are known and more conformed to the image of Christ by knowing more of His love for us. His love that's been from everlasting. And it will be too everlasting. He has never, not once in in all of His existence, had His eye in particular care upon His people. And that is including you specifically. Every single one of us, from the beginning of the age, when Adam and Eve was created, from before the beginning, God creating the heavens and the earth, His eye was upon His people. God Almighty had His Son in mind and He created all things through Him. But before He created all things through Him, He made an eternal covenant with His Son. An everlasting covenant with His Son. This, brothers and sisters, is what will propel me I need this text more than anyone and we all need this text written upon our heart. Written upon our heart. Knowing that God has predestined us unto Himself. And know, brothers and sisters, that is God's eternal decree. That God, before the foundations of the earth, before He set, as our brother put forth, before He made everything, and put everything in existence. His eternal decree, His eternal love through His Son was set upon you. And everything He does 
is through the mediation of Christ. If we know this, if you know this, and if I learn this as I preach it to my own soul, if we learn this, we will not need anything else. To know the love of God. He says in chapter 3 of this book that you would know the love of God which surpasseth all knowledge. The height and length and width and breadth. And to know the love of Christ which you cannot ever come to the end of. We will never come to the end of for all of eternity. If you know the love of God in Christ shed abroad to you, it will be all you need for the life of holiness. I know you long for holiness. I long for holiness. I long to live for the Lord. I long to. I want to walk in His ways. But how do I do that? Is knowing more of the love of God shown to us in Christ. Let me get to... We, we see the introduction. Very simply... Paul is letting them know, and they know who he is. There's an elder, just imagine, an elder standing before the church and reading this epistle to the people of God in Ephesus. And he just says, Paul. And they know Paul. They know his manner among them. They know a man who loved the Lord. They know a man who preached to them continuously. An apostle, an ascent one of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He came to them only by the will of God. We can watch in the Acts of the Apostles that Christ Himself was sent to the east place that He went. He was a man that knew that, oh, it wasn't time for me to go here, but I must go here. Just as our Lord. He was a man that was sent by the will of God to them. To this, and He says, this is to the holy ones in Ephesus. This is to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. And he says, grace to you. The first thing I come to you is the last thing I, I, when I left and departed from you, I'm bringing to you. Grace to you. I desire that you have the, God, the commendation of God, that you be commended in the grace of God in Christ. In, the, in, in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The main part I want to get to is verse 3 through 14. In the beginning, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This verse, he starts with adoration be unto God the Father. Bless him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see that in the redemption of God's people, that God the Father was the one who brought these things forth. The Son went and accomplished His will. The Spirit of God applies the very things that the Christ has accomplished. But He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. Don't miss all the ins, whom's, and in Christ in this passage. You, brothers and sisters, there is not one thing in your life that you have accomplished or you will accomplish apart from His grace moving in your life. But I also want you to know that He is full. 
He has fullness to give unto the people of God that is not stingy and is giving unto us. Christ has accomplished these things and we will see that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is given to us in Him. What that means is Christ, since Christ has accomplished all that the Father had for Him, He came. He came as in Bethlehem. He lived a life of righteousness in our place and in our stead. He went to Calvary. He died in our stead. He was buried in our stead. He was raised in our stead. And in Christ being raised in our stead, He's fully satisfied in the people of God. And what He does now is dispense of His fullness, of His work, He dispenses to the people of God. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is ours in Christ. And as Austin quoted in chapter 3 of this, cha- of this book, it talks about that we are... Chapter 3... I'm sorry. Chapter 2, verse 6, it talks about and raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're not only, we receive all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Not only that, but it is settled. We are seated with Him. And if the head is there, so the body will be with Him. We are seated, finality, with Him. When He raised on high, the Father said in in a point to all the people of God, I am satisfied, I am satisfied, I am satisfied. And we are seated right now with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This, This is... This is beyond our comprehension that the people of God are seated with Christ. Settled. You think of all the things you have to go through from now until the end of your life. Brothers and sisters, this must be something that you think upon daily. That we are seated with Him. We We have all spiritual blessings given to us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Everything you need is found in Christ Jesus. And knowing the love of God to you, demonstrated, commended to you in Christ Jesus. He loved him. We know the scriptures, brothers and sisters. We know the scriptures of Proverbs 8. Our pastor has said it a bunch of times. Austin has said it a bunch of times. We spoke about it, men, on Saturdays. That the God was ever satisfied in His Son. And we can read in Colossians, after fulfillment of all things, that He is satisfied with His Son. He created and did all things for His Son. Oh, this is what our heart needs. This is our inheritance. This is settled in Christ. Everything you need, everything you need is in Him is in the knowledge of Him. And it goes on, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Let this one settle. You who have been saved in an older age, who has walked in the course of the world, 
You regret everything you did. And if you don't, you're not his. There was no satisfaction there. But you walked in the course of the world. You served who you were once under the domain of. But the whole time, God was working out your salvation. Why? Because he chose you in him before the foundation was laid. Before Adam and Eve was made. Before anything was done that man could, that creation could see, you were chosen in him before all. Understand, you did not choose him, but he chose you. So predestination in God's eternal decree, as it says in our confession, this is not something for us to glory in in ourselves. This is something to be very mindful of. This is, the, this, this is something that solidifies our salvation. This is something that to the elect of God, this is something that you glory and rejoice in, that you were chosen before the foundation of the world. And if He chose you before the foundation of the world, and He chose you before you were ever His, and He brought to pass all things to bring you to Himself, how much more will He freely give you all things? But the thing is, is he, 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 he chose us in Him. In Christ Jesus the Lord. Before the foundation was even laid. Before you were in your mother's womb. As he said to Jeremiah, you were mine. Predestination makes you low. Because he chose you. Not, not, and God's eternal greed did not choose you because of anything in us. Because of, what, because of what was in Christ, He had to pay your debt, brothers and sisters, in full. That there would be no dealings with you when you're done. He paid your debt in full. And He chose you in Him before anything was created. Man, this is something for us to rejoice in. Predestin- God predestining us unto Himself is to rejoice in glory in the Lord that bought us. It's to rejoice in Him. And it says, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. That holy and blameless Brothers and sisters, is the holy and blamelessness that our spotless Lamb purchased for us. It goes on, in love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. See, Paul in this epistle, he's going like this. 
He's just putting higher. This is your inheritance. I love you. Paul is doing it from a point of love. His love for the church at Ephesus and his love for him is what is he? He doesn't want to say, I, Paul, who have done great things before you, but I, Paul's servant, look at him. And he goes on and he speaks of adoption. Once servants of Satan, now sons of God. And that sons of God comes with dignity, comes with power, comes with authority, comes with, as it says in John 1, that we were not brought into this thing by the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God. And he says, but to all who did receive him, to you who have received him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to be the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. This has to deal with God being a, a, a physician. And and changing your will, changing your heart, taking your heart out and giving you a heart of flesh to now walk in His ways, to be a son of the Most High God. Your will has changed because the Spirit of God has come in you and changed you and made you His own. And now you are a son. You are an heir. He doesn't count you as servants. He calls His friends and He has made us His own sons and daughters. 2 Corinthians 6, it talks about Him making us sons and daughters of the Most High God, of the Lord God Almighty, it says. But adoption. Adoption comes with all the entailments that He'll take care of us. That'll watch over us. That He will be a Father to us who 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 will give us His Word. Who will teach us. The Father is meant to teach the children. And He will teach us in His ways. And we will walk in His ways and He puts the fear of God in our heart. Brothers and sisters, what is the difference between Esau and Jacob? What is the difference between David and Saul? What is the difference between Isaac and Ishmael? The grace of God. God chose him. God adopted Jacob. He made Jacob his very own. I call you no longer Jacob, but I call you Israel. Because not only will you have power with man, but you've got power with God. How does he have power with God? Christ mediated to him, and now he, through him, would come. And he had faith in the God who promised there would come one that would, that would come, that would bruise and crush the head of the serpent. And he would prosper. The seed would prosper. But the grace of God, what separates me? What separates me from the heathen down the road? What separates me from my own brother? What separates you from your own siblings? Almighty. 
for you. This isn't for us to be high. This is for us to see the love of God in Christ. And once we see it, we can go after Him and love Him. But He predestined us for adoption. Look, it's not just to something. It's to Himself. We got God Himself. We got God Himself in the face of His Son. Don't despise that. You can't walk your own way. If you're a son of the living God, you walk in His ways. He has given you the spirit of adoption whereby we call Him Father. And we run to Him. Adoption is a great and mighty thing that no one is worthy of. We are God's sons. He has made us His Son through His Son. We're counted in Him. I wish there was words. You're counted in Him, brothers and sisters. You are His and you are in His Son. And there is nothing more that He so delights in than in His Son. And He glories in His people. In Zephaniah, it talks about Him rejoicing over His people. He's singing song over His people. Fully satisfied. Satisfied. The stamp in all of eternity in all of His people is, I'm satisfied with them because of My Son. This is something I need for my walk of holiness to walk in Him to see that He has purchased me and He has bought me. But not only that, that He chose me in Him before the foundation of the world. Oh, this is... this, Brothers and sisters, I, I hope enthusiasm in me does not hinder you from going after the Lord. I desire this with everything in me. This is the thing I need. This is the thing I've been missing. When God implanted this Word upon my heart that I would preach this Word, is for me. That I would know it first. This is my labor. To know the love of God in the face of Christ. And Paul's labor was the same thing. And your labor, brothers and sisters, to each other is to be that same thing. To commend one another in knowing this Christ. In knowing what God the Father in love for you has done. For you. Look, it's according to what? The purpose of His will. His will. It was His will to make you His son. It was His will to make you His daughter. And it's His will to take care of you. It's His will to wash you. It's His will to guard you. It's His will to guide you. It's His will to particularly. Brothers and sisters, this is not some high off thing. Please. This is not some for... For Well, it was for that person, but it's not for me. No, this is for you specifically. Yeah. 
God Almighty's salvation is for you specifically. You have to have this written on your heart that you're a child of God. Specifically. And He specifically meets with every single one of us. Think of a God that in the morning when you go before Him, He has maybe hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people crying out to Him at that very same time. And He specifically listens to you and says, Daughter, my ear is to you. And I know your needs and I'm carrying every single thing in your life to make you more like myself and for you to see my son. Everything in your life is him going, you are mine, you are mine, you are mine. He will not let you go. You are his son. He has adopted you. There's a legal term there. He has made you His own. He is not going to let you go. You come with, when you come to Him and you come to Him in Christ, you come petitioning the very things of Christ. You come with Christ's authority to Him. This is huge. You are in union with Christ. And the very desires that Christ had have in you will be done in you. Oh, brothers and sisters, this thing is eternal. This thing is in the heavens. And Christ Himself does it particularly in the earth. In His people. Everything Christ has purchased, Christ has raised, Christ has dispersed to us all of our inheritance. Adoption of sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose. It is His purpose of His will. Why does He do it? Worship to the praise of His glorious grace as we just sung, as we heard the children sing loud. Good job. We sang the very words of this epistle before we even got up here. But it's to be to the praise of the glory of His grace. Grace, supernatural work of God in the heart, the heart of man to make a man no longer love the things he once loved, but he hates the one things that he once loved and loves the things he once hated. He now cherishes and delights and desires the things of righteousness, the things of Christ. It's, it's to the praise of the glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. I like how the ESV has the Beloved in capital letters. He has given us these things. Bless us in the Beloved One. In Colossians 3, it talks, in Colossians 3, how in my, Bible, my other Bible, it says in verse 13, and has translated us in the kingdom of the Son of His love. Another rendering of the kingdom of His dear Son. He has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. His his kingdom is, is to us. He has transferred us into the kingdom of His love. Of the Son of His love. His love ain't going to ever tarnish for His Son, brothers. He is fully satisfied in His Son. Fully satisfied in Christ. And we in Him, fully satisfied. 
If that's one thing I want you to get out of this, brothers and sisters, in Christ, know more of the love of God in Christ and see that He is satisfied in Christ. And if He's satisfied, we ought to labor to be only satisfied in His love for us, in Him. And He goes on. He has blessed us in the Beloved. It's in Him. At this, I want to go to a passage that's in Ezekiel. I want you at this point in time to see what we were. Ezekiel 16. I'm going to read a large portion. But I want you to see from this passage what God has done. He said, Again the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations. And say, Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Who is he talking about there? Abraham. And your father's was an Amorite, and your mother was a Hittite. And as for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. What he's saying there is you were born in blood. You were born loathsome. No eye pitied you. You were not taken care of. You were he's, he, no, with water to cleanse you, no rub with salt, no wrapped in swelling clothes. We know, brothers and sisters, most of us know what it is for a child to come forth and to not be rubbed off, to not be cleansed off. What he's saying, you were born in Adam, in, his, in, in short. You were born in Adam. No eye pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out on the open field for you were abhorred on the day that you were born. That's the state of all men when they are born from their parents. And when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you, in your blood, live. I said to you, in your blood, live. I made you flourish like a plant of the field, and you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. Listen here. When I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love. And I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into covenant with you declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Then I bathed you with water. Still, now now the cleansing is happening. I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk and I adorned you with ornaments. Every single thing this person has is from God. And put bracelets on your wrist and a chain on your neck. And I put a ring in your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. 
Thus you were adorned with silver, and your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty, and your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you. From this, I just want you to know the picture is that we were all born in Adam, as Romans 5 says. But in Christ, we were born in, of His blood, of His line, under His federal head. But in Christ, He has washed us. He has made us whole. And we are all together beautiful. And every single thing we have, as He says here, is from Him. Every, I, had I bestowed upon you, declares the Lord. All the beauty in the church of the living God comes from God Himself and comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to get back. It says, in Him we have redemption. We've been bought back through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. In Him, we've been bought back. This is dealing with the slave block. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back to God. Not with silver or gold or with things that will tarnish, but with the precious blood of Christ. Through His blood sacrifice before the Father. Through His blood you have been redeemed. The everlasting covenant was ratified through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Let this hit our soul. Christ died for your sin. Particularly, individually, he died for all your sins. And not only that, he provided forgiveness of your trespasses according to what? The riches of his grace the dispensing of His fullness. Of His fullness have we received grace upon grace. And He goes on. I love this next part. Which He lavished. Brothers and sisters, this word means to superabound. Means to be superfluous to us. Means to be over. He lavished. Lavish is a great word. It's just throwing upon us. In all wisdom and insight. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. We 
I need to know the things of Christ and the knowledge of Him and His love toward us. He does not give it a little bit. He lavishes us continually. And it is not in just a parent giving his children things for things' sake. He lavishes these things upon us in perfect wisdom, knowing the end from the beginning. The decree of God and knowing the end from the beginning and the things that are not yet. Him knowing, him knowing what and how and the things you need, not just to start your salvation, but to bring you to the end. His, 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 he lavishes upon us in all wisdom and insight, or all wisdom and prudence, which insight and prudence, there's a, there's a showing forth in those words that there's a seeing the end from all the things that He does in our life. He, he, he knows how to cut us off. He knows how to work in our lives. He knows how to bring us to Himself. And He does these things and He gives these things by providential things in our life to particularly care and watch over His people. He lavishes upon us specifically, personally, you. And he carries these things to pass. And he brings these things to pass in your life. To bring you to himself. To bring you to the end. Every part in your life. That you'd cling more to him. But he lavishes. Whether it is in bad time or good time. God Almighty to his people is always lavishing them. And taking care of them. In all wisdom, all wise God. We know Him as an all wise God, but in all wisdom because of Christ. It's because He lavishes upon these things in the riches of His grace and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. It's amazing. When you look more and more in this, it is the plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him. The fullness of time came when Christ came. The fullness of time came when He stepped into the world. The fullness of time came as He walked towards Golgotha, as He worked through His life. The fullness of time, it says in Romans 5, For while we were still weak, at the right time, or in the fullness of time, Christ died for the ungodly. The fullness of time is the fullness where all, all the things from the beginning of creation pointed unto. 
Every single thing from, all, from the fall of Adam pointed to the one that would come. And all the fullness of time is when Christ came and fulfilled and set forth God's purpose and plan for His people. And it's not just a small thing. It's to unite heaven and earth and under the earth. It is, it is a fullness that is brought forth to unite all things or restore all things to Him. It is a cosmic doing. It is a cosmic gathering to unite or gather together in a sum total all things in Christ. That God was and is doing all things for Him and in Him. And everything that He does is from His fullness and He gives us all things in Him. I wish I could say it better. It deserves to be set forth better. But I'll go, I'll speed on. In Him we have obtained an inheritance. As I've already said, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. This goes on with His, his counsel and His will being made perfect in His people. And then he does get specific so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. I believe there he's talking about the Gospel coming to the Jews. And, and Paul including himself in that. And then in verse 13, in Him you also... We were brought in first, and then in Him you also. The Ephesians, the one who were once worshipers of Diana, the one who was under the, the, the God of the age... He said, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him. This very same thing that happened to the Jews is the very same thing in bringing in the Gentiles. He's saying the very same faith, the very same, all of it was, was done in, to bring both in to the same fold. And then he says, we'll get to the last point. How are we going to get to the end? How, are we, how do we know that we will get to the end? He says, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is, who being a person, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. As was said a couple weeks ago, Christ said, I must go. And when I go, you'll receive. And he said, it is important, it is pertinent for me to leave. Because when I go, he will come. The Holy Spirit will come. And he will teach you. He will guide you. John 14 through 17. Know that. Know that passage. And He is the guarantee. He is the down payment. He is the earnest of our inheritance. He is the one that will make sure that all those that have trusted in Him will be with Him until the end. This is the redemption that Christ has purchased for us in Christ. And what does it bring Paul to? 
Therefore, knowing these things, brothers and sisters, what is the application? See the dignity and worth of your brothers and sisters in Christ. What I mean by that, if you are in Christ, and we are in Christ, we, we, we are a congregation going after Him. We have been set apart by Him. We have been raised with Him. We are His children. See the dignity and worth in one another and honor one another and see and pray for one another. You can see that's what this leads Paul to. Thanksgiving and prayer in the next verses. So what is the application? Since Christ has put this worth upon the people of God, how much more you? How much more me? Spend yourselves for one another in commending one another and in, in, in pleading with one another to know him. So that leads me to the other one. Not only prayer, not only commending, but it should lead us to thanksgiving and praise that our God has made us his own. That our God is particularly caring for us no matter the situation. And to always be in prayer and thanksgiving, letting him know and thanking him for the gracious and glorious salvation he has brought. This is what we need. This is the thing that we need the most. To ask more of the Spirit of Christ to work in our lives. To ask more that the Spirit of Christ would teach us the deep and hidden things of his, him, Himself, His love. That before the foundation of what does this mean? And being His son, what is that? And being a daughter of the Most High God, how does that entail? To know more of what he has given unto us, that fa the Father has given unto us through his Son. That's what we need. Let's pray for it and ask the Lord to help us to see more of the inheritance that God has given for even us, even me. That is something that we need to have in our forefront of our eyes. Lord, why me? Why did you choose me? He chose you because of his son and the everlasting covenant he made with him that though they would be ruined and though they would go their own way, you will purchase a bride and your bride will come and she will be yours forever. Let's pray.